Welcome to the Perfectly Preserved Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Gomes. And I'm Anna Cash. Here, we come together to bring you a podcast all about preserving food safely, easily, and dare I say perfectly at home. We are master food preservers, moms, wives, and we love talking about canning. We've decided the world needs a podcast that shares up-to-date, modern, safe information about canning, dehydrating, freezing, freeze-drying, and more. We answer listener questions, teach beginner and intermediate techniques, and share our very best tips for preserving successfully. We'll show you how to find trusted recipes, sources, and more so you never have to second-guess your preserving practices again. Ready to can like a master preserver? Let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the Perfectly Preserved podcast. We are so excited to share this episode topic with you today. We're going to be covering the most frequently asked canning questions. And as a reminder, all of these answers are answers that are based on modern tested methods. And when possible, we will explain the why. That's what we love is explaining why there are certain rules and recommendations. And hopefully you will leave this episode feeling empowered and educated, and you will know what to do when any of these uh, situations occur when canning. So Anna, take it away. Okay, so the first canning question is, can food be recanned if the lid does not seal? And the answer is, canned food can safely be recanned if the unsealed jar is discovered within 24 hours. To recan, remove the lid and check the jar sealing surface for tiny cracks or food bits. I've had that happen sometimes. Change the jar if necessary, add a new prepared lid and reprocess using the same processing time. Awesome. Okay. So the next question is if canned foods have been frozen during storage, are they safe to eat? So this would happen, of course, if your canned food pantry or basement or cellar was exposed to freezing temperatures. Freezing does not cause food spoilage unless the seal is damaged or the jar is broken, which could happen if they were frozen. They often happen as the food expands during freezing. Frozen foods, however, may be less palatable, like they won't taste as good if they've been frozen after being canned. If the storage space is unheated, you can protect the canned foods by wrapping the jars in paper or covering them in a blanket. So if you feel like there's an impending frost, you could cover your jars and insulate them in some way. Take it away, Anna. All right. Number three, if my recipe doesn't call for processing, do I need to do so? As we've talked about in previous episodes, Yes, you absolutely need to process it either in a water bath, steam canner, or pressure can it, depending on what type of food item it is. Many recipes passed down through the years or found in older cookbooks do not include instructions for processing. The foods are usually canned by the open kettle method, which we've talked about in previous episodes, sealed and stored. Foods prepared in this manner present a serious health risk, particularly low acid foods. So in order to minimize the risk of food spoilage, you should process every jar. Every single one. Okay, so the next question is, do I really need to leave a certain amount of headspace in the jar? Headspace is the distance from the top of the food in the jar to the top of the jar. So I think some new canners want to 
like fill every jar to the very tip top. And that's actually not what you should do. You need to maintain an appropriate headspace that should be indicated in your recipe. And you have to leave that specific headspace to ensure there's a vacuum seal. If there's not enough headspace, the food may expand and boil and bubble out when the air is being forced out from under the lid during processing. The bubbling food could also leave a little bit of food or syrup on the rim of the jar and prevent the seal from forming that way. And if there's too much headspace, the food at the top is likely to discolor and not be delicious looking anymore. Also, if there's not enough headspace, the jar may not seal properly because there probably wasn't enough processing time to drive out all the air in the jar. So this, you would encounter this if you um, are at the very last jar of your batch and you want to can the last little bit, but let's say you have like two or three inches of your jar exposed still, you won't process for long enough to force all that two or three inches of air out. So that's why an underfilled jar is also problematic. The best course of action when that happens is to just put it in the refrigerator and eat that jar first, or transfer that quantity of preserve into a smaller jar and then just can one smaller jar. That's a really great point, Jenny, is that like if you are at the end, because I've done this before, at the end of a batch of jam and you've got enough for maybe like a four ounce jelly jar. And so I usually just make a little one and throw it in there too. It's the perfect sample size for people and it's it's great to throw in lunches. Totally. Okay, let's move on to number five. How long will canned food keep? I would say this is maybe my number one or two question that I get from people all the time. And the answer is properly canned food stored in a cool, dry place will retain optimum eating quality for at least one year. Canned food stored in a warm place near hot pipes, a range, a furnace, or an indirect sunlight may lose some of its eating quality in a few weeks or months, depending on the temperature. Dampness may corrode cans or metal lids and cause leakage so the food will spoil. So as long as you're storing your jars correctly, you have about one year of optimum flavor and taste. And then after that, the quality starts to decline over time. Just like when you freeze foods, the quality does go down over time. It's still safe, but the quality goes down. I just want to add an interesting interjection on that topic. I think the name of this podcast that I listened to was called Innovation, and they had an episode about canning, and it was so fascinating. We will link it in the show notes. And it explained how food that had been properly canned somehow ended up at the bottom of the Mississippi River and was tested, and it was many, many, many years old. And you certainly wouldn't find the contents of the jar appetizing, but it was tested. And because it had been properly canned, it still had not developed any spoilers. So that's an interesting sidebar, (laughs) I think. But we can move on to the next question. Can two layers of jars be processed in one canner at the same time? And the answer is yes. Two layers of jars can be processed at once in either a boiling water bath steam canner or pressure canner, but they need to have a rack, a small wire rack that will separate them. So water or steam will circulate around each jar. 
So you can't just stack the, you know, your two pints or your half pints or whatever on top of each other directly. You need to have a rack. You want to make sure that the water covers the tops of the jars by one inch if you're using a boiling water bath also. And then the pressure canner should have two to three inches of water in the bottom like normal. Perfect. Let's move on. Is it necessary to exhaust a pressure canner? For those of you that don't know, exhausting a pressure canner is is the first real step after you put your jars in your pressure canner, close the lid. This is the first thing that you need to do in your pressure canner. And it's super, super important because it exhausts all of that air out of the pressure canner so that it can then reach the ideal temperatures for pressure canning. So yes, exhausting a pressure canner is the most important part. Well, one of them. (laughs) Should liquid lost during processing be replaced? So when you're canning foods that have like a syrup or a brine or just some amount of liquid in them, sometimes that liquid is lost. You'll open up the lid of your canner and think, what the heck happened? I put it, I filled up these jars. Where's the liquid? And the answer is no, you do not have to reprocess or replace them or replace the liquid. The loss of liquid does not cause food to spoil. The food above the liquid, like in peach halves or sometimes with pickles, like if you had the large chunks of stuff, the food above the liquid may discolor or darken. If the loss is excessive, like two or three inches or about half of the liquid, refrigerate that jar and use it within two or three days. So some liquid loss is okay if the jar seals, but if it's a lot of liquid loss, then refrigerate and use within two or three days. Yeah, I had that recently happen with a batch of corn that I did. I cooked the corn for five minutes, cut it off the cobs, processed it in the pressure canner. And for Mm -hmm. some reason, probably like third of the jars had tons of siphoning. And I was like, what is going on? And it's just sometimes when like the heat of your pressure canner comes up too fast, or you cool it down too fast, maybe your kitchen is cold, siphoning can happen. And yeah, there is some discoloration that can happen. And now a quick word about our courses. Want to learn more about canning? Check out our video courses. Anna's beginner and advanced canning courses are available at smarthomecanning.com. And Jenny teaches super fast steam canning at startcanning.com. Use the code POD25, that's P-O-D 25, to get 25% off those courses today. Okay, so... Is it all right to reuse jar fittings, aka lids and bands? This is a two-part answer. The first answer is no, you can't reuse it for canning. The second half is that you can reuse it for other things like storing dry goods or putting things in your fridge, that kind of thing. And then you can also reuse like glass top silicone lids like WEC or Kilner brand, those kinds of things. And we're going to have another episode where we talk about Weck, Tatler, Harvest Right, some of these reusable lids. But as far as the two-part lid and band, those are meant to be single use for canning. But the bands can be reused over and over as long as they are not rusted, right? Yes. Perfect. Thank you for clearing that up. Yes. 
So the next frequently asked question is why does the underside of the metal lid sometimes discolor? So it's just sometimes the natural compounds in foods, for me, it's tomato stuff. It will corrode the metal and make a dark deposit on the underside of the lid. The deposit of a properly sealed lid is completely harmless. So if you crack open your jar and you're, you know, have that satisfying sound, you know, when you open your canned food, if it's discolored on the underside, you don't have to worry. It's just, just purely cosmetic. And sometimes those dark deposits do look like a black mold and Mm -hmm. you just freak out a little bit and you're like, what's going on? But like Jenny said, it's usually like a tomato type product that I've seen that on. Mm -hmm. I don't know if any of our listeners have had that happen, but I did end up calling Ball one time and asking before I was a master food preserver, wondering if I had done something wrong or if it was mold. Okay, so let's talk about what causes jars to break in a canner. Have you ever had this happen? I have. Breakage can occur for several reasons. Number one, number one, using commercial food jars rather than jars manufactured for home canning is one reason. Number two, using jars that have hairline cracks. For me, I reuse my glass jars. I thrift you know, canning jars, sometimes people will give them to me. And if you aren't really careful, sometimes those hairline cracks can lead to breaks in your water bath canner or steam canner or pressure canner. Number three, putting jars directly on bottom of canner instead of on a rack. So sometimes that heat can really affect your jars. You should always have a rack at the bottom of your canner. Mm -hmm. Number four, putting hot food in cold jars. So you haven't tempered that glass jar and it could possibly break. Number five, putting jars of raw or unheated food directly into boiling water in the canner rather than into hot water. Sudden change in temperature, too wide of a margin between temperature of filled jars and water in the canner before processing. That's great. And I feel like that, just that general just understanding, we just try and keep everything close-ish to the same temperature. And, and if you just use that as a guide, you'll avoid a lot of these situations. The next frequently asked question we get is, if I find mold growing inside a jar of canned food, can I just scrape it off and eat the food? Even frugal Jenny here would advise you to not eat the food, even if you scrape the mold off, because mold growth in foods can raise the pH of the food. That means make it more alkaline. In home canned food, this could mean that a high acid food would become low acid, and then you would be running the risk of a botulism growth or some other bacterial spoilage. Any home canned food that shows sign of mold growth should be discarded. Even mold on jellies or jams could be producing a mycotoxin, which is a poisonous substance that could make you sick. So the USDA and microbiologists recommend against scooping out the mold and using the remaining product, which is such a tragic, sad thing. But I think if you follow safe and recommended canning practices, you're not going to have the the instance of mold. I, I can count one or two jars ever. And I know it had to have been because I mixed up my used lids for my brand new lids in that case for me personally. 
So if you don't reuse your lids, if you use canning jars, and if you follow safe canning practice, you'll never or very rarely encounter a jar that has mold in it. So you'll never have to throw any of your hard work out. Yeah. And that's why it's important, like Jenny said, to make sure that your jars are clean, that your countertops are clean, that you're using, you know, safe practices. And, you know, Mm. I just uh, this weekend got my food handler's permit and because I'm getting my cottage food license. And once you take that class, you just don't look at your countertops the same Mm -hmm. (laughs) or your tools the same. The only time I've ever had like mold in any of my jars is if the seal has come off of my jars and then, you know, maybe I didn't see it right away. It was in my storage room. And then you just see like this white fuzz kind of on the top of whatever it is. And it's important that you toss that out, like you said. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so many of you deal with hard water at your house. And this next question is, how can I remove scale or hard water film from canning jars? I personally like to add some vinegar to my water bath canner in order to remove some of that buildup that can happen on the outside of my jars. This book also recommends to soak jars for several hours in a solution containing one cup of vinegar and one gallon of water. What about you, Jenny? You said you had hard water as well. Mm -hmm. I have in our general area, it's very common to have very hard water with a lot of mineral. And my particular well has a lot of organic matter. And I have found in my pressure canner, the amount of mineral, just the length of processing time, it's like, it's like three-dimensional frost, like the hardest frost you'd ever seen where the, it's just clustered on the sides of the jar. It's incredible. I should take a picture. So I do have to put in several tablespoons of vinegar, I would say into both the water bath process, my steam canning pot and in the pressure canner to prevent that just white hazy film from, from building up. But the great news is that vinegar is easy and that's an easy addition. Okay, so the next frequently asked question that we have is, can I can bread or cake or other baked goods in a jar? These products are not recommended for canning. It doesn't matter how many YouTube tutorials or social media posts you see. Those recipes are best suited for freezing or freeze drying or just baking fresh. There's all kinds of ways that you can bake, (laughs) but canning is not one of them. And really, I wouldn't call, and I think Anna would agree, we wouldn't call those items canned. Sometimes there was a period of time on Pinterest where it was really popular to see like cute mason jar baked like cake in a cup. And then it got taken a step further where the lid was applied. Those recipes are for quick breads and cakes, and they are low acid, and they have the potential for growing the botulism toxin. One university's research showed it had a high potential for problems. And it's fine if you see these things available on the store shelf, but that does not mean that you have access to that in your home and those processes available in your home. You don't. Canning jar manufacturers also do not suggest that you subject their jars to the heat of an oven. So there's lots of reasons to not put uh, baked goods in a canning jar. Don't do it. Uh, I hate seeing these recipes on Pinterest because it's just like, oh, that is not safe. And it's such a low acid food. Like, 
We've talked about it before. It's just not safe. It's not the worst idea, but it's really up there. It's it's really a poor, poor, poor idea. Don't do it. Maybe do the, the cute mason jar mixes where it's just like the dry uh, like cake mix and you don't seal the jar. You just give that as a gift. Do that instead. That's still cute. That's still giftable. <laughs> don't put it in the oven. <laughs> okay. Now the last question I'm going to go over frequently asked question is, how do I can oils with herbs? And can I can pesto? This, sadly, I wish we could can pesto, but herbs and oils are both low acid and together could support the growth of the seabot toxin. Oils may be flavored with herbs if they are made up for fresh use, stored in the fridge, and used within two to three days. Personally, I love freezing pesto and mm. in small um, ice cube trays or whatever, and then pop a few out and add it to my pasta if I'm doing that. There are no canning recommendations for oil and herbs or pesto, much to my sad, sad <laughs> heart. <laughs> That's our last frequently asked question. That's about general canning practices. And you guys, please stay tuned for another episode where we cover recipe-specific frequently asked questions. I hope that you love this episode. If you did, please leave us a rating and review, share it with a friend, and stay tuned for our next episode. That's our show. We don't want you to miss an episode, so please be sure to subscribe. If you found this episode helpful and informative, please give our show a rating and review. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps our show grow. Follow us on social media at Smart Home Canning and at The Domestic Wildflower. Email your preserving questions to perfectlypreservedpodcast at gmail.com and we will do our best to answer your questions on the show. Thanks so much for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode released every week.